0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Nothing better than just a little bit of Pearl Jam. Welcome into the program. If you've just joined us, twelve minutes, uh, 19 minutes after 12, Mark Watson with you. Look, a little bit later on in the program, we will talk the NFL, we will talk the playoffs. Los Angeles Chargers getting upset yesterday by the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Buffalo Bills only just getting the job done over the Miami Dolphins. Boy, wouldn't that have been a big upset? And currently underway, we've got the New York Giants taking on the Minnesota Vikings. We'll also head to the UK, catch up with UK football correspondent Guy McRae and reflect on another absolutely dazzling weekend of English Premier League football. Now, if you are fueling up, go to Gulp. fueling your mission all year round. I want to say that. When you hear particular commercial partners being mentioned on this station and those particular brands are part, part of a purchasing decision in the future, please go with those advertisers. Those names you hear on ECN said they're the ones that do keep us on air. They're the ones that actually put some food on the table. Keep the wife happy. Uh, Ken has texted and he said, what hope all blacks will win World Cup under Foster, Schmidt and Rennie. Bad luck. See you in All Black. Set up in future with Schmidt. Cheers, Ken. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? You just look at the whole Ian Foster situation. And look, and I do want this afternoon to be more around Dave Rennie, but you can't not... I don't know. I feel envious the Australians have at least had the guts to make the decision. But when's Ian Foster been in this job? What, since 2012 came in under Hanson? So he's been a voice in that all-black camp for 11 years. You've got to think the message gets stale, doesn't it? Oh, look, I, I've done some coaching and I've had athletes come to me who have left some very good coaches. And they've come to you and you see a no, they see a noticeable improvement and you think, oh, hey, I'm the man. Look, I'm getting bit more out of them. Then you've let some athletes go or some athletes have left you and gone to another coach and they see an improvement. And it's not the fact that you're a better coach or the other person's a better coach, often what it is, it's just a change in stimulation. You're still probably doing fundamentally the same training, but it's just a different environment. It's just a different voice and it just re-energises the players. And I think that's what New Zealand rugby needs. Is that what Australian rugby needs? Joining us now on the programme... Is Rugby Union editor at The Raw, previously with Fox Sports. He's covered the Tokyo Olympics. Christy Doran joins us. Christy, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, great to join you. On a, it's been a pretty action-packed morning here in Sydney, I tell
0: you. Yeah, now Christy, you're one of the uh, journalists to break this story. When did you first get wind of the fact that the wheels were in motion, the knives were out?
1: I got a text message at uh, 7.50 this morning. So I think we're three hours behind you guys. And then I got a, Funnily enough, I've got a phone call two minutes later. I probably won't say who that one was from. But, um, yeah, about an hour and a half before the story kind of broke, but um, uh, it was more around, okay, well, I can't put this one out yet because I might destroy a couple of contacts. But um, at the same time, um, a really big, bold move by Rugby Australia, which has kind of been the hallmark of Hamish McLennan's um, tenure as chairman since coming on board in the middle of 2020. But, look, I think it's the right call. I think it's the right decision. And I, I say that for a few reasons. One, um, Dave Rennie's winning percentage, 38%, and you can make him any excuses you want as to why and injuries this and injuries that. But um, they didn't have the capacity to to turn narrative feats uh, into victories, and the international landscape is on a nice edge. There's, there's six international sides that can, I think, win a World Cup, but who actually has the ability to win knockout matches? Who has the ability to to win consistently? And unfortunately, only once under Dave Rennie did the Wallabies win consecutive matches when they won five in a row in 2020, uh, 2021. Uh, but they followed that up with three narrative feeds on the end of the year spring tour. Five from 14 last year. It's not good enough, and there's questions around strength and conditioning programs. Um, why players have gone down? Rennie's got to take a bit of the blame for that. But I think also, in and around that, players were being chopped and changed. And I look at nine specifically, halfback, you know, the, the fulcrum, and not one of Nick White, Tate Mc. Jake Gordon were really injured last year. White missed the final game on last year's spring tour, but all three halfbacks were pretty much fit the entire way through. Yet, despite the fact uh, of that and Rennie being there for three years, he said, I'm going to rotate my nines on the spring tour. I just don't understand how you can get to that point in your tenure and not know who your preferred halfback is or your second option at nine when there's so many other changes around it. So, I think Eddie Jones can take the Wallabies deep into the World Cup. Whether or not they can win, we'll see. You know, head head uh, head knocks and red cards they can change things. But I think the Wallabies mm. have a better chance with Eddie Jones there.
0: Yeah, look, I have a saying that, and this might be a bit harsh. And you know, uh, look, you can't turn donkeys into thoroughbreds. And I'm not saying that Australian rugby are a bunch of donkeys, but you look over the last 10 years you look at the depth of super rugby you look at this Wallabies outfit compared to previous generations I mean rugby is what about fourth in the pecking order over there at the moment um, uh, I mean can anybody can anybody? Can a change the coach really get the best out of this Wallabies team have you got the cattle have you, do you believe you've, we've, you've got the cattle to go to a semi-final I mean you're on the right side of the draw I mean all the top sides seem to be on one side of the draw exactly. it's not too bad a run through for the Wallabies is it I mean you should make the semi-finals I would have thought
1: I think they should absolutely. Yeah, the top four nations in the world are on one side of the draw. The Wallabies on on another, and their toughest opponent from a rankings perspective, anyway, is Wales. Mm. Fiji in there too. So they should be making a quarter at the very least. Come up against either an England or an Argentina, or perhaps a Japan, if they can sneak one of those um, victories over one of the two bigger ones. But look, I I, I think there is enough talent in Australian rugby. Um, I think it's all about putting the right pieces of the puzzle together. And that's the big challenge and the challenge I don't think Dave Rooney got. Um, but there is enough talent here at the moment. A number of the players developed under Dave Rooney, particularly in 2020, um, guys like Hunter Paisami, Jordan Pataya, These guys have got a fair bit of skill about them, um, you know, I don't know how Sully Runabalu, that misses a 44-person training squad. This is a two-time premiership winner for the Melbourne Storm. Now, the Melbourne Storm don't pick duds. They don't play duds. And this is a guy who grew up paying rugby union. I, I think there is enough talent. I, I, I just think that, unfortunately, whatever it is, it didn't necessarily click. Now, the players liked Dave Rennie, but is it a good thing having a coach liked by players? I, I don't think it was nasty enough. I don't think it was mean enough, I, I think. It was too nice, and Dave Rennie is a guy that's renowned for building cultures. Um, he clearly did a good job with that with the Chiefs to begin his tenure. Maybe things went a bit pear shaped towards the end. Um, I don't think Rugby Australia thinks he's a bad coach. I just don't think they thought he was the right coach for the Wallabies. And it's got to be made clear that he was appointed under CEO Raylene Castle. Um, Scott Johnson was there. This is really the last relic of the, the Raylene Castle kind of era. Um, it is now will be very much Andy Marinoff and Hamish McLennan's coaching team, their pick. Um, and I think that carries a lot of weight in, in, uh, in, in life.
0: Okay, but you go back for this. So we had Michael Checker sacked, we had Ewan McKenzie sacked, we've had Robbie Dean sacked. Uh, now we've got Dave well, Redd. Well, hang on,
1: <laughs> hang, hang on. Ewan McKenzie wasn't sacked, he was resigned. Uh, he, he resigned rather. Um, and Michael Checker came in and was there for a long, long time. You know, he was there for uh, you know, 2014 through to the 2019 World Cup. Things probably didn't go well there uh, towards the end. But you know, when Checker came on, he managed to take the Wallabies pretty quickly to World Cup final. Well, Now, Eddie Jones, when he took over and you speak about talent, and this is the point I forgot to raise beforehand, you speak about talent, Eddie Jones takes over a Stuart Lancaster English side that misses the World Cup knockout stages in the home mm. World Cup. Eddie Jones then, with a very similar side, makes a change of leadership, one or two tweaks with you know, um, Dylan Hartley coming in. Um They go on to win 18 straight games, one under Lancaster, 17 under Eddie Jones. They win the Grand Slam. They win in Australia 3-0. They win the next uh, six nations. Um, He managed to turn a side that was underperforming into a winning Mm. side, and then they go on to make a World Cup final. Eddie Jones, I think, will approach the next 10 months, 11 months this year very differently to what he will Mm. The, the four years after that, for the 24 to 27 World Cup cycle.
0: Would Dave Rennie have been sacked if Eddie Jones hadn't been sacked and Eddie Jones was still the England coach?
1: I don't think so. Did I? I think he would have hung on. Uh, but we already know that Dave Rennie was exploring options in Japan, uh, probably working out his own exit strategy. I don't think Dave Rennie wanted to leave. But at the same time, I think he did know that the writing was mm-hmm. on the wall. Do you think Eddie Jones is the right um, person to lead the Wallabies forward? That's what the Rugby Australia has ultimately decided mm. that is. Mm. So why delay than the
0: inevitable? Yeah. Um, one, one of the criticisms I have over here, and I keen to get your opinion on this, is that you know no one believes Ian Foster should be the all-black coach. We seem to have this mentality here that, oh, you know, we've got to build for a World Cup on a four-year cycle. And I'm not sure that history will back that up. And part of the problem with that is that It gives coaches a bit of an excuse, well judge me on the World Cup, judge me in two years, judge me in three years' time. The fact that England have sacked their coach and replaced Eddie Jones, the fact now the Wallabies have sacked Dave Rennie and replaced him, we saw South Africa get beaten by the All Blacks 57-0, I think back in 2017, only to go on and win the Rugby World Cup. Can you win the Rugby World Cup on a three to six month plan rather than a four year plan?
1: Well, absolutely. You just said it. You know, the Springboks were hammered by the All Blacks, and yet they turned around inside two years with Rassie Erasmus coming on board. You know, Michael Chek was very close. Like people downplay the Wallabies of 2015, maybe because they scraped home against Scotland, but they were only, I think it was eight points down, trailing New Zealand. Uh, in the second half, when I think Tavita Curadroni goes over, you know, it's only some brilliance from Dan Carter slotting the field goal, and then a, a late try when the Wallabies are really pushing for it that sees you New know, Zealand go on to claim that. But that was close, wasn't it? Um, and that would have been you know, 12 months since Michael Checker joined on as well. So, you know, the good thing is from a rugby Australian rugby's perspective is that there's not a test match for six months. Mm. Um, I also think that the Wallabies have got a, a Their their best chance of winning a Bledisloe is in 2024 when you've got a lot of New Zealand players heading overseas, heading offshore to Japan. I think Eddie Jones is more likely to get you there. I think he's more likely to get you to a World Cup final at the moment because he's a proven operator in World Cups. He's been there, done that. He's already done uh, that much homework um, and reckeys over to france he's done it multiple times for england now yes different training base different training environment but eddie jones works best i think when he doesn't necessarily over complicate it when he goes okay here we are and then he tries to see the bigger picture but he tends to always nail it come world cup and yeah there might be one or two bumps along the way but he tends to operate in the middle years of a world cup cycle see how you're going for the first two. If not, clear the decks a bit, start again and get there and make sure that you are, are, are humming by the end of the World Cup cycle. We saw it with England. He kind of changed the guard a little bit in 2017-18. Saw Dylan Hartley wasn't going to get there. Saw Alan Farrell becoming the leader. Saw um, Sam Underhill and Tom Curry coming through and developing. And they were starting 15 players by the end of the World Cup cycle. They made a final. And yes, they ended up getting well beaten, but they had their opportunities. I'll tell you that. They just didn't take them in the second half, England against South Africa.
0: Uh, Christy, look, just finally, um, I think one of the biggest problems of Australian rugby in recent times has maybe been depth in key positions. Can I suggest, though, when this is all said and done, maybe one of the legacies, rightly or wrongly, of Dave Rennie is that Australia have more depth and more positions now than perhaps they did say two or three years ago, or is that just a little bit of ignorance and maybe being just a little bit too patriotic towards Dave?
1: Um, Look, I think there's a a valid point there, but the reason why there was a set of being built is half the side and left following the the Japanese World Cup in 2019. And there was a lot of young, promising players. You've got to remember that the Junior Wallabies made the World Cup final in 2019, first time in years and years and years. The schoolboys, Australian schoolboys, that same year, in fact, beat the New Zealand schoolboys cutting a a seven-year streak. So there was always a lot of, um, I think, young talent on the horizon. It was about two, three years later down the track where we would start to see them start to deliver. And and I think they've got a reasonable balance between youth and experience at the moment. But I struggled to see over the last two years players that have developed under under or in a wall wallabies environment. I look at Taniella tupo hasn't hasn't necessarily gone forward. Look at Jordan Pataya. Um, you look at some of those, you know, Tate McDermott, Fraser McWright, neither of those two have necessarily been allowed time to develop. Um, you know, Nick Frost was at halfway to Japan by the time Rugby Australia woke up to their senses and thought, hang on, this guy can actually play. Why wasn't he on the horizon earlier? And you know, Andrew Kelly, from what I'm led to believe, was a Scott Johnson pick, was, was spotted by him. Um, I, I, I struggled to see a fullback have properly emerged under the day of Rennie. Era. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think it's quite right, but I think that Rennie came at a time when there was a lot going on in Australian rugby. COVID, new CEO, um, a lot of animosity. You know, the Western Force weren't actually part of Super Rugby in 2020 when, when that fell over. So I don't think Dave Rooney had it easy at all. But I, uh, I don't think that you can quite say that if they go on to succeed that it's because of Dave Ernie.
0: Christy Durant, we appreciate your time this afternoon here on the program. Thank you. Greatly appreciated.
1: Absolute pleasure.
0: Thank you. 25 minutes away from one o'clock. Interesting thoughts there. Rugby, win a World Cup? I agree. You don't need a four year cycle, man. You can get this done six months out. It's just nonsense what New Zealand Rugby put in. You know how they rest and rotate their players throughout Super Rugby and they have these all black camps two years out, three years out, and all it does is actually kill the Super Rugby comp. You know, wrap them up in cotton wool. Absolute garbage. Dave Rennie, now that you've heard that there from Christy Doran, those that felt Dave Rennie might be the right guy for the all-black coach, have you changed your mind on that? Or would he have been different in an all-black environment where perhaps selections and natural selections just stood up and there wasn't a lot of um, objectivity or subjectivity around selections? 0800 five8 double one is the number. You can text us here on the temper Post text machine, double eight double three.